Welcome back to the Additive Snack Podcast. I'm your host, Fabian Alefeld. And in today's episode, we dive into the realm of podiatry and we'll explore how additive manufacturing is reshaping that field. We're joined by Travis and Nathan, who called in from Australia, from the Australian Podiatry Conference. Travis and Nathan are a innovative brother duo behind the company Doc Souls, a revolutionary company making strides in podiatry with their additively manufactured orthopedic insoles. This episode promises a riveting discussion about their journey, their challenges and triumphs, and their vision for the future of additive manufacturing in healthcare. So let's get going. Travis and Nathan, welcome to the Additive Snack Podcast. Hi, Fabian. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Thanks for the opportunity, Fabian. It's great to join you from down under. Yeah, awesome. You guys are the first ones from Australia on this podcast, by the way. So congrats on that. And let's actually talk about your history because, you know, not many brothers end up in the same business, let alone in a business such as specific as 3D printed orthopedic insoles. So can you tell us a little bit more about how that came about? Look, it's been a long journey. I've been a um, practicing sports podiatrist for over three decades. Mm -hmm. Originally, I was making and manufacturing my own orthotics from under my house on weekends, just um, <laughs> trying to get a, a client list, a patient list, and uh, trying to get my profit margins as large as I could. Yeah. And then um, Travis started a few apprenticeships and he had a, uh, the odd back injury and I was just getting too busy. And I said to my brother, I said, mate, there's definitely a, a, a market here for you to learn how to make these things and create a, another stream of um, what I'm doing privately. Mm -hmm. And Trav jumped at the opportunity. It's not a trade as such. You need to learn from podiatry practitioners. Unlike plumbing or electrician, you, you get a trade ticket. That's not the case in our industry. So Travis, with his background, it's, he grabbed the idea of how things are made and he had his own ideas with his background with his other trades. And we started our own orthotic lab called Elite Orthotics. Mm -hmm. And uh, Travis has been managing director of that company for close to 25 years. Wow. A long time, Fabian. Yeah, that is a very long time. And I'm sure additive manufacturing was not heard of back then. So that was a very manual operation, I'm guessing, huh? Yeah, back in those days, baby, and it was all done by hand. So plaster work, creating plaster molds, then molding vacuum formers, bandsaws, bench grinders, so very manual. And it's still, that process is still done today. So yeah, that handcrafted device is still done. I think it's important that it still stays around because I think that's then how you learn how to create a better product in additive manufacturing as well. I think if you don't sort of understand the past, you can't forge yourself into the future. Um, so sure. I think it was an important step for where we are now. Yeah. And, you know, in general, additive manufacturing is just one tool in the tool belt of many manufacturers. It is not a full replacement technology nor most likely will it ever be. And it is interesting to see additive pushing into, into various sectors, such as podiatry. And out of the organization that you guys started came Doxols, from, as far as I understand, a very innovative approach to, to insoles. Tell me a bit about how did you discover that additive manufacturing could be interesting for the product line that you guys were working on? 
Well, the beauty of Doxols is we had these two individuals, one clinical, one manufacturing, Mm -hmm. seeing that 3D printing was the way forward. Some competitors are 3D printing orthotics, but all they're doing is reconstituting rigid orthotics that we were doing from handcrafted. Mm-hmm. So the premise in Doxols was to create a full-length, flexible orthotic that I, as a practitioner, could be very prescriptive within the lattice structure of the Doxol. And Travis, from a manufacturing standpoint, created a one-man operation rather than a six- or seven-stepped hand-intensive process. Mm-hmm. So we had Travis... Travis's bias from a manufacturing standpoint, you had my bias from a clinical need perspective, and after five or six long years, we're now commercialising our products. And um, I've got to say that the podiatry industry is very excited about what we've been able to offer them. And obviously, as Nathan spoke about the two differences of opinion, um, we did clash heads a bit because, as Nathan is, is right, it's, it's got to be clinical. Um, and I'm sort of looking at it as a, a manufacturing point of view as well. Um, so I think, like Nate said, it's very important to have those two minds come together and 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 not agreeing at times is, is a positive because um, you sort of get a better outcome instead of everyone just saying yes, yes, yes. But I think what we've been able to achieve is actually using printers to their full capability, not just mm-hmm. printing out plastic shells, which other... And, and we're not doing that just to be different. I think we're doing that to try and make the orthotic better, make the device better for the patient outcome. You know, an orthotic's got to be comfortable. Otherwise, you're not going to wear it. What's the point? And having Nathan sitting there and seeing and prescribing exactly what he wants and having that flexibility in the device where he wants it and then the patient being comfortable, it's it's a real plus. And actually having the printer work to its capability is awesome as well. With the ladder structures that you can now involve with with lots of different things and and making a, a digital phone, so to speak. Yeah, and you make it sound so easy. <laughs> you know, all you do is just print out a digital phone, and that's all good. Yeah, but... no, there's a lot of beer, a lot of bourbon, a few cigarettes yeah. from Travis. But uh, yeah, we're here, and this is just an uh, exciting talking to you, exciting talking to our story to the to the Yanks, and um, yeah, it's been a, a big a long journey. We had a few few setbacks which i'm sure you want to talk about but um, yeah here we are so before we talk about setbacks take me through the full process chain there is a patient that walks into your door and at some later point he walks out of your door with a additively manufactured insole what happens in between well the doxol orthotic is a significant component of our doxol story what we've also been able to do is to create an application for podiatrists that enables them to take significantly more accurate measurements of foot and gait alignments. Mm -hmm. That allows the podiatrist through steps within the app to take what we need to prescribe the orthotic. And then the big kicker is we then have been able through AI to create a prescription for the practitioner. Mm. He or she does not need to use it, but would certainly peruse the prescription and change it as per patient requirements and then that prescription is then forwarded onto our lab now it's still it's still a time lag the patient doesn't see me for 30 minutes and gets an orthotic in 45 minutes it's not like that at all but we get them back within seven to ten days to have the orthotic fitted i've been prescribing orthotics for over 35 years the 
amount of troubleshooting I'm now doing with our Doxile product is minimal. Mm-hmm. Previous orthotics, you'd be grinding a little bit here or softening a bit here to get the patient over the line. The tolerance to this more sophisticated product is outstanding. So, if, yes, we're talking about the, the actual product, but what we've been able to do is to try to, as Travis has always said, Nathan, we want you in the room of every podiatrist in Australia so that we're getting the like-for-like outcome and out, obviously patient outcomes are improving. So the application is part of our process. It too was long-winded, knocked on a lot of doors. We were lucky to find some Germans who were very, very sophisticated in what they could offer us. And that's part of our product. Essentially, and I might be biased, but sometimes not everyone gets along with their brother, but I think Nathan's the best biomechanical podiatrist, definitely in Australia, probably in the world. Mm-hmm. He's seen more feet than anybody would care to admit to. Very high-profile athletes. So essentially what we wanted to do is, is get Nathan in that app. So have an actual biomechanical assessment. That's the app that Nathan would perform in his clinic room. So that's what the app does. And then the AI is Nathan's brain. So what he looks at in the foot, the AI now is just reading. And then that then just through the AI, API keys, then puts that into a prescription form. And then that prescription form just gets sent to our lab. The next next step would be instead of a prescription form, Fabian, it actually just gets, the orthotic gets designed straight Mm -hmm. away. So you can actually then design the orthotic straight away from the app. Patient can see it in your clinic room. You can twist it, you can turn it, you can show the different lattice structures, and then you would have to send that on to the Doxels lab to, to print. That will be our, our next phase. And the exciting part of this is this is just the beginning of what we've been able to develop. We can get better and better, um, and, th- and that's the exciting part of this. Yeah, I mean, what's, what's super interesting, you really started as a podiatrist and you are now becoming a platform for podiatrists to leverage technology like they probably have never leveraged before, not only from manufacturing, but also, as you just mentioned, from leveraging artificial intelligence and advances that are changing every day and becoming better and better every day to to your users' advantage. How do the end users feel about a additively manufactured product? 3D is a sexy word at the moment. And what we've seen in clinic is the A, the app, is more interactive with the patient. The patient can see what they're doing. The patient can Mm -hmm. see their lines being drawn. The patient can see the profile of their arch. It's it's far more interactive. When you describe the difference between the 3D orthotic, the doxile orthotic, being zoned and each zone you can change the, the density. See, historically, orthotics are one density the whole way through, hard or soft or medium. The doxile, I can have a hard forefoot. I can have a soft heel. I can have my arch in three different zones, it's remarkable. Mm-hmm, and it's, mm-hmm. it's that prescriptive power that is getting better patient outcomes. Do you believe that that also means that a orthopedic insole, I would say in the past, was what some people would consider either a luxury item or an item for patients that had specific challenges where healthcare providers would pay for a orthopedic insole? Does this innovation that you guys are working on make insoles more accessible to the broader public and to folks who may not be, may have not been in that initial target group? Well, this was one of the pathways we took. Our initial 
design was to go from business to customer. Mm -hmm. So we had an app out in the wide world and we, we didn't have the marketing clout nor money to push that. So we unashamedly went back to the Invisalign dental type of arrangement, you know, the see-through braces. Mm-hmm. Are you aware of what that is, Invisalign? Yes. It's big in America. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So that, so that, that company tried to go from, from business to, to, to consumer. All the dentists bagged it and said it was poor. They rethought it. Now they're going from business to business, so Invisalign to dentist, then to consumer. And lo and behold, every dentist likes it now because they're getting a lick. As I said, we unashamedly thought, well, maybe that's what we've got to do. So we then went back, changed the app, got it a little bit more clinical, and now mm-hmm. we're business to business to consumer arrangement. To say doxolza for everyone is incorrect. Orthotics, not everyone needs an orthotic. My client list I'm seeing these days, 80% patients with pathology, with pain. Mm-hmm. I'm seeing 20% who want want to run a bit better or they notice their young child doesn't walk correctly. So no symptoms, but functional deficits. That's becoming more of a patient type in my practice, more proactive podiatry stuff. Mm-hmm. But on the whole, no, we're seeing people in pain, people wanting to get best care, and to be able to offer them this Doxol pr- prescription really puts a smile on my face. As Nathan just said too, that when we developed the app, even when we were going from B to C, it wasn't, it's not always about someone getting an orthotic. You know, somebody might just need, and, and the app would tell you this as well, maybe you just need a good pair of shoes. Hmm. Maybe you need to do some stretches. Even yeah. though we're in the orthotic selling business, we still believe that best care best is care best is care. Like care. That, that is. And, and we will always believe that. We just don't put orthotics into people's shoes that don't need them. Um, and th- this may interest you. On, on that, let's say, um, general populace ad, um, app, we, we had boundaries to say, look, your foot is, is that corrupted. This product can't help you. You need to see a proper practitioner. So there were three avenues. Look, you don't need an orthotic. You need a calf stretch. You need shoe. Or hang on, you're a bloke that needs an orthotic. Or hang on, you're outside the scope of what we can offer you. You need to see a proper. So that was that sort of, I always come back to Travis. I said, we're medical first, business second. Then Travis said, no, no, we're business first. We're medical second. (laughs) It's just this bias of looking after people for 30 years and him just making orthotics and making money. Yeah. I mean, both got to work out, right? If you don't make money, you're not going to be around to to help people sure, in sure. the long run. Do you guys have a insole next to you that you can A, show and B, explain to our listeners who are just tuning in via audio, what are we looking at and what is unique about your product? Okay, so we're, we're looking at a, a product that's printed with a TPU from EOS. And what's unique about it is these lattice structures that, I mean, might be hard to see on the, on the camera I there. I can but see them. So what, what you're able to do with lattice structures, like people oh. listening to here, is, is actually, oh. uh, yeah, you can go into that. I'll go into the, the lab side of thing, right? You can go into the medical side of thing, thanks. <laughs> is that with the lattice structures, you, you, that's where Nathan wants to force load onto something. So if we're trying to force load, we want to make that lattice stiffer. So we want to, we want to create the lattice tighter, um, create mm-hmm. a tighter lattice, thicker lattice, or somewhere where he wants to unload. So we need to make a softer lattice so we can loosen the lattice up. We can also use different types of lattices. And then you can use a product which everyone would, uh, grayscaling. So you get the foot in, then you can, it's like child's play. You know, you paint paint on the foot, then you overlay that grayscale on top of the orthotic, and then mm-hmm. 
you know, press go, and then the lattice just does its work. We've been very, very lucky to work with a company called Hypergenic that's helped us with that background of the software. Yeah, we've been really lucky to, to work with them. Uh, we've been working with them for about four years. It's, everything in this journey has been long. You're talking to software developers that don't know orthotics. You're talking to guys who make orthotics that don't know software. Getting into printing is, is difficult. What type of printer do you want to use? What type of materials do you want to use? Uh, how do they function? All of these things really do come into play. It's not a plug-and-play scenario. We're hoping to make it a plug-and-play scenario that we can maybe franchise Docsols and you just need to set up a hub. We tell you what printer to use, what power to use, what settings to use, and away you go. But if you're at the coalface and doing it yourself, then yeah, it takes a while to work all these different types of lattices, different types of blends. Yeah, and the R&D process is long. But Nate will go into a little bit more about the lattice. Well, about three years ago, there's a, I've got some feet in my lab, not live feet, but bones, and I was just looking at And then I got onto the idea of true bone anatomy. There's really hard bone called cortical bone, mm -hmm. but that cortical bone is still lattice. It's a real tight lattice, and there's a type of bone called spongy bone, which is a very softer bone, more cancellous bone, which is a wider lattice, which made it softer. I got on the phone straight away to Trav. I said, mate, I think we're actually recreating human bone if we can use this lattice to great effect with the tighter cortical bone lattice and the softer spongy bone lattice. And that was a real turning point for us. We said, yeah, we're definitely onto something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're right. You're actually extending the bone structure Correct. into Correct. the insole and therefore exactly right. optimizing the user experience, feel, and I'm guessing relieving a lot of pain for folks that have been under pain for a long time. Yeah, yeah. You mentioned earlier challenges, and there's no organization that gets into a new technology not even just additive manufacturing, but you're combining artificial intelligence with additive manufacturing. You have a imagery component in there. You have, you know, end user and probably certifications that you need to comply with. What were some of the challenges that you guys came across throughout those six years? And how did you solve them? I don't think this podcast is long enough for that, Fabian. I'll let, I'll let Trevor right. go through through his thoughts, and, I'll, and then I'll find I'll, I'll give you the, the final catastrophic event that happened to Doc Souls. Okay, perfect. <laughs> yeah, look, obviously the first part of it was developing the app, which is quite a simple process, really, developing apps. The next process was the AI component. That was mm -hmm. quite difficult. I mean, you've got to collect the data first, so going to coffee shops. We have surf clubs here. Going to surf clubs, taking photos of people's feet, it's a bit weird. Sitting outside coffee shops, can I take photos of your feet, please? Yeah, and then just trying to mark everything up, making sure the AI is working appropriately. So that that whole process was was quite arduous and, and definitely hit a lot of roadblocks through that time. Printing process, like I said before, that's there's so many companies out there at the moment and everyone wants to sell you a printer. Mm -hmm. We fell on EOS because the guys there really wanted to help. They sort of weren't so salesy, I suppose. They sort of wanted to make sure they sold me the right equipment for what I wanted. They introduced me to people that could then develop the software that then had the same ideals as us that we want to automate this process as much as we can. I think if you're in manufacturing and you're not getting into automation, 
close your doors because mm-hmm. in five years, it's not very scalable if you're not going to start automating things, I believe anyway. So look, working out like our ladder structures would break down. So we'd print them out, put them in shoes, and all of a sudden our lattices are snapping. Mm. So even trying to get the right powder to recycle powder to new powder, that's a challenge. How we orientate the jobs into the machine, that's a challenge. You know, how do you speed the machine up? It's not fast enough. That's a challenge. So there's there's a lot of challenges. But that's with with any new machinery, I think, Fabian, or any new software, yeah. Yeah. you're always going to have that. So if you think you're just going to plug and play and walk away, you're not in the right industry. You've got to be willing to take on some challenges. But I think once you get there, the benefits are, are huge. Once you can start seeing what you can develop. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, as you said, it's not plug and play and most likely it won't be plug and play for for the near future. No. I would say no manufacturing technology is, but the added complexity of, uh, as you said, using artificial intelligence to develop an app, uh, data collection, probably on feet and on different data structures to understand how do they perform and how do they behave in under certain pressures i'm sure it was was a very long road to go down how about you nathan from your perspective what were some some of the major challenges you guys came across well as travis said we were struggling with ladder strength and you know people are paying good money for these orthotics a a good a good orthotics longevity should be upwards of three to four years Mm. once we got that over the line we created a few prototypes in fact i'm wearing one of my original prototypes it's three and a half years old it looks spot on so there's always this anxiety as a practitioner when you've been treating people with and treating people well with one primary orthotic and then you're changing this radical in a new age orthotic, your trepidation's there. Is the patient going to come back in, in a month and throw them at me or is, is, you know, is the patient walking them in? Never a good look when a patient walks in for their review and their orthotics are in their hands. Mm-hmm. We moved through that and as soon as I gained confidence... I run quite a big practice with six or seven podiatrists under me. I, I then instilled the confidence in, in, in that group of podiatrists. And then we started moving forward into the into the podiatrists that uh, around Australia that already use our lab. And the uptake just started generating and generating. And then unfortunately, in February 2022, we had the great flood of Brisbane and our mm. very expensive German printing machine went underwater. It was catastrophe 101. We mucked around with the insurance for many, many months and then we just had to put a stop to the whole project, which, which was terribly deflating. Yeah. We had, had some terrific help from EOS in Australia. They were very supportive. Yeah. I want to give a shout out to um, Additive Australia in Australia. Um, yeah, Kevin. Kevin. Yeah, fantastic. Those guys were. So. Additive Australia. Yeah, not a bad bloke for a pommy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it sounds super challenging. How did you guys solve it? Well, the insurance finally came through. Mm-hmm. We were seven, seven fifty in the K in the can. It was a big loss, but Kevin made it happen. We got the insurance money. We got the machine up. We air freighted it across from Germany. It took about twenty weeks, and we just started going, rebuilding the confidence. And the machine now is a month booked out. We've actually ordered a second machine. We're hoping for a lot of uptake from this national conference. We're looking to get another twenty to thirty practitioners signed up out of this conference to. Um, hmm fulfill the, the second printer and then i'm telling travis i don't want three more printers I don't, but if it keeps going we've got a, the supply demand is there we will need more printers it's as simple as that so that was that was the catastrophe but we've we've overcome it 
good to hear that you overcame it and sounds like a very scary situation to be in. I've never seen a flooded additive manufacturing system, to be honest. <laughs> I've never seen a printer underwater. I actually, if you guys have some pictures, send me one. I do. The printer was actually working at the time that it was flooded. So we actually wow. pulled some jobs out of the printer. Wow. Okay. We were able to salvage. Yeah, it was quite funny. It was yeah, in a really bad situation. That was a humorous part. Yeah, I can I can imagine. So we talked about challenges. We talked about the product. We talked a little bit about also how you guys are moving towards a platform-based business model. And I'm super curious, what does the future of Dark Souls look like? What does the future of podiatry look like? And last question, when will I be able to get a pair in the States in Austin? We know that we're at the cutting edge of podiatry with this new device. Yeah. Do you then want acceptance within the profession? I said to Travis this morning, I'm not into blokes my age that have been prescribing the same orthotics. I'm after a new generation of podiatrists, the 25 to 35 year old who's looking for technology to enhance his or her practice model. That's the type of podiatrist we're looking for to, in the next couple of days. Uh, Doxiles in five years. The naming of our orthotic is important. People say, I'm wearing an orthotic. Mm-hmm. Well, in five years' time, I want, I want the neighbor over the fence to say, mate, have you got a pair of these Doxiles? They're terrific. So, so the naming of the orthotic, I think, will give give it a bit of credence in, in the general word of mouth population. To say where we are in five years' time, I know we'll be terrifically operational. It just depends on what scale Travis wants to go because I'm 55 and I'll be retiring soon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, first and foremost, like Nate said, we, we want to grow our brand Doxels in Australia. We want to um, get a lot of credibility in our industry. Um, mm-hmm. We want people to, to trust their brand, know our brand, and know that they've got the backing of us. And then from there, yeah, look, it's, it is a platform, so it can scale. That was the whole purpose of Nathan and I building this was to scale. So if somebody wants to scale a business, you can scale this. Um, so, yeah, that, that's where it will be, Fabian. I don't know. Yeah. I'd love to be in Austin, Texas. I'd love to definitely get a, a pair in, in your shoes one day but yeah i think we just want to conquer the australian market in the next 12 to 24 months and then yeah we'll see where, where life takes us from there yeah interestingly we, we, we've had a few nibbles we spoke to some indians we spoke to some selling californian guys hmm. but we were in that lull with the printer being underwater we, we didn't push hard there we just wanted to get consolidation in australasia australia new zealand get our brand really comfortable within the profession for the next two years. I think that's our main goal. And then, you know, the platform's there. If some wealthy New Yorker wants to ring me, give him, give him my number, Fabian, please. <laughs> all right. Now, this is a open call for pediatricians all across the world to reach out to Travis and Nathan yeah. to please. leverage your platform and really make the most of it because it is truly a game changer and it is just the beginning i want to let you guys get back to your conference i think it starts in roughly 15 minutes and i would like to thank you both for joining us here on a of snack as the first australians on the show thank you so much fabian appreciate it thanks for the opportunity fabian i'll see you in two years i hopefully see you in two years and this was the 
captivating and transformative work of Dark Souls, Travis and Nathan have illustrated the boundless potential of additive manufacturing in reshaping industries and enhancing lives, really. As they continue to innovate and inspire in the world of podiatry, we'll be here to bring you their stories and those of many others pushing the frontiers of this exciting field. This was Out of Snack, and I'm your host, Fabian Alefeld.